Hi, I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. We are talking all about cats today with Beth Pasick, the finicky cat sitter. After 10 years of business, she has a lot to share from the influence of her own cat, Ty Lee to why it's so important to her to be certified fear-free when dealing with cats, and how we as pet sitters can up our game with our own cat care in our business. Let's get started. Thank you so much for inviting me to Pet Sitter Confessionals. And um, I will just say that I am the owner of Finicky Cat Sitting and Behavior. We're based out of Cleveland, Ohio. Originally, the company started as Finicky Feline and Fido. And we transitioned over to old cats only about a year and a half ago. Um, I am the author of Understanding Cat Behavior, which was just released on Amazon and is available through Barnes & Noble and Books A Million. I'm also a supporting member for the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants, Cat Division. Big, big long name there. (laughs) And I'm also a supporting member of the International Association for Animal Hospice and Palliative Care, Mm. which is a very unusual extension of cat behavior as where we delve into the information regarding senior care and palliative care for senior cats and the behavior changes that can take place with them. Cats are the world that that you're centered around here. Why did you decide to go all in on cat services a, a year and a half ago? This will really take you back. takes me way back for when I first started my company, which, like I said, originally started as Finicky Feline and Fido. As you can tell, I originally started as a cat company, added the dogs because we needed the revenue. Mm. And we ran for almost eight years as a cat sitting and dog walking company. About a year and a half ago, I sat down with a business coach and we went through my numbers and it was a realization that we were running almost at 90% cats and cat sitting. Wow. And it was at that point that we decided that we were going to go all in for cats and recognizing that the trend for the dog sitting and dog walking world was pretty much being overrun with a lot of the app kind of sitters. And here in the Cleveland market, we have several very large dog walking companies that pretty much run the west side (laughs) of our niche. And it was very much at that point, we decided, we really looked at what we were doing and said, you know what, we, we can go in all cat and it'll be fine. Mm. And we did that. And much to our surprise, the um, it was so well received <clears throat> by the general public and by the veterinary offices, and it it just it just really blossomed and took off. Wow. Well, so what kind of services do you currently offer focused around cats? The typical cat sitting, which that particular service we offer as a no time limit cat visit which basically means um, instead of running in and doing a 10 or 15 minute visit at a reduced rate, we upped our rates. Our minimum minimum amount of time we'll be with the cat is 30 minutes. Mm. And if the cat decides to fall asleep in our lap, needs some extra play time, 
um, is a cat that likes to stroll around the outside garden in a kitty harness. We will do that. Um, and we don't rush the visit. So even our pet sitters have an opportunity to not feel rushed through their day that they know, okay, it's a no time limit visit. And if we have a super needy kitty, we can usually fulfill all those needs within an hour, hour, 15 minutes, and their timing will be just fine. We do still offer overnight cat sitting services, which I, you know, dog, overnight dog sitting is a, is a big deal. Yeah. And as cat owners actually come to realize their senior cats enjoy having someone spend the night with them, they will climb up on the beds and sleep with our pet sitters. And it really is, um, you know, the owners realize that their, their cats are not missing them and not missing out. And it really is a, it's a change in how you per- perceive the cat. Um, if you ask a typical cat owner, does your cat sleep with you? 99% of the time they will say, yes, <laughs> <laughs> my kitty sleeps with me. Uh-huh. And at that point, you know, if it's a senior, senior cat, well, you know, make the offer, you know, we do offer overnight services. Maybe once every third night you would like for us to do an overnight or, you know, so it does, so they, our services, they can mix and match, you know, it can be a, a drop in, you know, 30 minute plus visit, or they can get the overnight and they can mix and match. And then of course, the unique thing that we do offer is on our website is catwalking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Catwalking. catwalking. Yes. And, and if their cats are trained um, to a, to a kitty harness and leash, we have, you know, it's a $10 upcharge, but we will offer to take them out for a stroll around their typical gar- outside garden or neighborhood or catio or whatever their cat is used to as whatever the part of their cat's routine is. It sounds like such a departure from the way cat care is typically viewed in the pet sitting community. Why do you feel like cat care has been viewed as a sideline business or just an add-on service for, for many? I think for many, many pet sitters and many pet sitting companies, um, it's traditionally been approached as a sideline service because the cats will hide under the bed. Oh, we, we peek under the bed. Okay, you're fine. You're breathing. <laughs> your, eye, your eyes are open. You're purring. Food, water, litter box, and we're gone. And with the dogs, you know, you do food, water, and, oh, we have to go outside and exercise and play, and we have to go for a walk. Well, cats actually, you know, take a little bit longer to get to know their pet sitter. Mm -hmm. And if pet sitters can take the time to win the cat over, and if they know the behaviors that indicate that the cat is willing but is just a little standoffish, we can usually win them over and then the cat will enjoy lap time or playing with a toy or just even just sitting next to a pet sitter while the pet sitter, you know, watches, plays on their phone. And I, I know in, in the pet sitting world, some pet business owners would freak out that the pet sitter is sitting there playing on their phone. But for cats, 
that's a calm activity. Mm-hmm. That's something their owners do nor- normally. And if the cat is curled up in your lap and that's what you're doing and the cat is happy, we've done our job. Wow. I really love hearing that. That is so cool. And this sounds like, you know, like this takes just a little, it sounds like it just takes a little bit more time. That's, that's really where a lot of this route is. It's like just give the cat a little bit more time and that quality of care just goes through the roof. It, it really, really does. And with pet sitting, you know, if you've got a weekend cat visit and the, the cat is shy, you're probably not going to get to that point with the cat. But if it's a week long, if it's a week long vacation visit and you have the same person going in every visit, mm. that cat will bond with that pet sitter. And, and that is also one of the big differences with our company is we try very hard to have the same sitter with the same kitties over time. Right. And, and it really makes a huge difference for both the owner's perception of the care that their kitties are getting. And it makes a big difference in how the pet sitter feels and obviously how the cat feels. It really helps build that bond, build that relationship. As you mentioned, it's three. It's a it's a threefold thing. The owner feels like that they're getting a lot better quality of care. The cat has consistency in their life and will warm up over time to that. And then the pet sitter feels like they're actually accomplishing something each time they go over there because it is not just those proof of life visits, which you know I've done many of those of find the eye shine in the closet, yeah, food, water, good. Okay, we got to go. Taking more than that because you don't feel like you really cared for the cat at that point, but building you're building relationships across the board on there. Yeah, you really truly are. I one of my pet sitters, Renata, um, when I broke my ankle a few weeks ago, had to take over on a pet sit for me Mm. for a client. And the first two days, the kitty hid under the 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 bed. I told her, I says, "There's cans of tuna fish there." Client said, we can use the tuna fish, so high-value treat, right? Mm-hmm. And she was thrilled that, that you know, on the third day, Stanley came wandering out to say hello. <laughs> and she was, and, and when a cat decides you're not a threat to them, because that's how they perceive a stranger is a threat, when they decide you're no longer a threat, a lot of times you'll walk in the door and the cat is actually there greeting you at the door. Mm. And, and Renata, I'll, I'll never forget. She was, she was so excited that Stanley came out to see me. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a great feeling to be accepted by, by a cat that especially so is so shy in the beginning. And I really, you know, I really hear this this passion and this love that you have for cats. Where where does that come from uh, in, in your life? I grew up in a household full of dogs, which just sounds kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and ever since childhood, I have always enjoyed cats. And in order for me to get my cat fixed as a cat child, I had to go down the street and visit the cat lady three doors down. And she was a typical cat lady. She had 11 cats <laughs> and they were all indoor outdoor cats at the time. So I would go and spend hours on her porch playing with the cats and, and all of that kind of stuff. I wasn't able to own a cat in my childhood because my brothers 
were highly allergic to them. So when I got married, I thought, hooray, I moved out. I'm getting married. I can finally get a cat. Lo and behold, guess what? Oh, no. (laughs) My husband was highly allergic. (laughs) Of course. So it actually took a whole divorce (laughs) for me to end up being able to get my first cat. And, you know, at 30 some years old, I'm having my first cat. And that would that would have been my Ty Lee. If you want to know what happened with her, well, it's in the book. (laughs) (laughs) So it's something that's just been with me my entire life. Um, Even when I was a teenager and working with horses down in Loudonville and Mohican Wilderness, there were barn cats. Um, nobody else could, nobody else could be around the barn cats except me. Barn cats hid from everybody else in the barn. But if a cat was sick or whatever, I was the one that was able to go get them. And, and it's just, I think it has to be, it has to do with being an introvert to a certain degree. (laughs) As we walk, we talk softer, we walk softer, we, our, our personalities are not so big as whereas, you know, the dog, dog. People sometimes, sometimes, and then I'm not, I'm generalizing, but sometimes they're like, Hey, how are you? (laughs) (laughs) You don't, you don't do that with kitties. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And like I said, I'm that person that's like, if somebody walks up to me, it's like, (laughs) run away. (laughs) Run away. Just these this continual theme of of having connections with them, having opportunities to care for them, and then finally being able to put your passion with where you know it, be, be in line with your passion and, and do what you you feel like you you need to be doing and have been doing that for for a while now. Yes, yeah, it it is. Um, it, it was a moment in time where it was I could actually follow not just owning a cat, but eventually really getting into the whole cat behavior end of things. And it, you know, that was, it was a dream. It's a dream come true for me. <laughs> Have you heard about Time to Pet? Chris Ann from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of Pet Sitter Confessional get 50% off their first three months when they sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. I wanted to ask you a question about some of your services. You have what you call an environmental program for cats. What is that? Our environmental program starts before we ever walk in the door. So when we talk with a client on the phone over about the meet and greet, a lot of times they're expecting that, that short kitty visit. And we explain what we do, which is <laughs> a little different. Um, and then we, when we go through the meet and greet, we also do what we call an environmental assessment. And that is where we start talking to the client and asking them, where do they normally hide? 
what scares them, what upsets them, um, what does the cat like, what are their favorite toys, what are their favorite treats, are you, what are the existing challenges, does kitty pee on your bed every time you leave on vacation, <laughs> You know, so but because that is actually, you know, we now recognize that that is not a um, revenge of the cat because right. you left. It is yeah. actually purely stress related yeah. and we can address those fear, anxiety and stressors. Mm. Then we dive in and we let the client know before the client walks out the door. If your cat is an anxious kitty, if your cat is a fraidy cat, we encourage them. Get a feel-away plug-in. That feel-away helps reduce the stress level. We ask them, can we play Alexa and classical music? Can we play Google Home, relax my cat on the big screen TV? Can we, you know... Can we do the, you know, we get into the whole, you know, we're going to set up hunting games for your cat when no one's around. We're going to set up foraging stations for your kitty while no one's around. So the cat has activities between the once a day visits. And we really get in, you know, we delve into that. If we find that a cat is having a lot of anxiety with the owner being gone, We'll videotape that and actually show that to the owner and explain this is a fear-based response. This is a separation anxiety response. And, you know, there are things now that your vet can recommend that can help reduce some of that stress level for when you are gone. So on my blog, you know, have you met Harlow? There is actually a video of Harlow trying to stop the cat sitter from leaving. And he's being an aggressive kitty about it. And recognizing, no, the cat's not being a brat. He is actually trying to tell the cat sitter, don't leave. Yeah. And at that point, you know, okay, the pet sitter had already been there an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> we say no time limit visit, but at some point in time, we have to go home. Yeah. <laughs> and we sent that video to the owner and explained to her, no, this is Harlow. He's having a bit of separation anxiety. And we recommend, you know, take the video, have Harlow checked out, show it to your vet and see what your vet wants to recommend. Mm. And in her case, her vet recommended something over the counter for the kitty to take that they, we can start and stop. So he's not on medication all the time, but he, he is getting us a, an over-the-counter medication that they start about three days before they leave and we continue the medication all the way through our visits. And it just helps take down his stress level a little bit. So for this particular client, since she does travel a lot for work and this is a male cat, we don't want that anxiety level way up there every time she leaves town because that's going to lead to illness. Mm. And so, you know, being in tune with the cats and their environment and what's going on in the, during the visits, 
we're helping, you know, we are now not just the cat sitter, we are now the cat advocate and we are their partner in their overall well-being lifelong. Mm. I love that word so much, cat advocate. It's really taking this and shifting that mindset from, oh, the cats are independent, they'll be fine, you just throw some food over there, be, be good. I'm sure some cats do just fine with that kind of care and they don't all need this. But what you do with this environmental program is you back way up and start from the top and do a whole assessment of this cat's world and just do a holistic approach to this and go, okay, what, what is this? How can we approach this and give it the best level of care by asking all these in-depth questions and, you know, these videos and doing this, um, you know, just looking at the cat's behavior and recognizing that each one's unique and individual. It, it really takes it to, uh, a different, a whole different level of care. I've said that a couple times here, but it, but it really is. And I, I love hearing about that approach to this. Thank you. Thank you. And, and like I said, it's, it, it is just, it, it is all, it, it really is looking at everything that is happening for this kit, for the kitties. Now you're, you're also fear-free certified. Why was that important for you to have? Well, I feel it, it was, I thought it was really important for me that I was able to demonstrate an understanding of the fear, anxiety, and stress levels that the cats are having, whether it, it, it you know, and especially obviously during a cat sitting visit, but as our, my clients figure out that, Oh, she really knows what she's talking about. <laughs> a lot of times I get, I will get a, an owner who, and I'm sure it happens with the dog end of the world. Hey, you know, this is what's going on. You know, why is my cat doing this? Mm. And we're able to, to talk, talk them through some of the behavior reasons and then get them redirected to their vet. Um, a good example, like I said, is Harlow, where you know, we're, we're dealing with that fear, anxiety, and stress level. And then we're, you know, we were able to say to the client, take this to the vet. And if the vet is resistant to the information, they have the vet has the opportunity they can call me. Mm. And as a fear-free level three certified cat sitter, we're talking with the vet on their terms. Yeah. That and, and it's a whole different way of approach again, it's a whole different approach yeah. to what we do. Um, is being able to communicate. Um, between the client, the cat, and the vet, and and bring it all part of we are now not the pet sitter over there that the vet office tends to recommend that that we're almost part of the entire team that cares for this client. Yeah, that gets back to it helps you be a better cat advocate and helps you you know it it plugs you into that cuz early on you mentioned that you had a wonderful response from the vets in your area and i was curious about that but it sounds like when you have this partnership when you have this this training these certifications and you're able to take the videos and be in communication with the clients about that it plugs you right in to make you part of that care team and help and give advice and all sorts of things it, it really does. And, you know, there are times where, you know, the vets will, will refer clients out to me, you know, okay, we've been, do, you've been, we've been treating so-and-so for a urinary, urinary infection. The kitty is still peeing outside the box and they'll say, Hey, give, 
give Beth a call, give Finicky a call mm. because now, now they have somebody they can refer to that can go into the home, assess the whole environment and help, help fix things, which then also for our, from our standpoint, gives us a foot in the door for future cat sitting. So the behavior end of the business plays into also being able, having that foot in the door and the, the referrals happen because of the way we do things. Yeah, absolutely. That totally makes sense. What are some things that you could recommend to pet sitters right now to up their game with cat care, whether they have a lot of experience with cats or, or, or not? Um, one of the things I would I would recommend um, would be, um, and I know you know cat sitters, cat sitters and pet sitters we're all on different financial levels right now because of COVID. Sure. Yeah. So some of us are pulling back on how much we want to spend on training or this or that or the other thing. So I would recommend um, go if if you're not overly cat aware or cat behavior aware, definitely head over to the Fear Free Happy Homes website. Um, and that the information, there's a lot of modules and things out there that are actually free and available. And it and actually Fear Free Happy Home does both cats and dogs. So in it for a general overview of cat information, definitely Fear Free Happy Homes. Um, if they're really wanting to delve into it, obviously volunteer to foster a cat, not volunteer in a shelter, but actually foster mm-hmm. a kitty in their own home and go through a foster training program with, with it, whatever shelter they, they decide to work with. And as always, read up on cat behavior. And if they really are wanting to delve into it, I think the Care Care Prayer Academy Train My Cat, which is a clicker training program that that they can do, is not horribly expensive. And they're able you can they go through actually how to put put to, not only the clicker training but actually how to put together the the training plans for the mm-hmm. kitties. And it's fairly inexpensive. Well, I did want to ask you, because uh, you do talk about cat training. What, what does that mean? What does that entail? Because uh, I have an idea of what that means in, in coming from a dog's perspective. Uh, but, but for cats, what, what all does that, what does that do? Well, for cat training, I'm a Karen, I'm Karen Pryor, train my cat certified. So I've been through their program. Um, basically, it's clicker training for cats. is what it amounts to like you have clicker training for dogs you have clicker training for cats and you can train them to do tricks or whatever but when you're doing it from a behavior assessment standpoint you can also use the clicker training to help train them out of behaviors you don't want them to do Mm. so if you want them to not be jumping on kitchen counters you can actually train them to make a different choice um, with cats, when you go to apply negative reinforcement with them, that doesn't go so well, as yeah. most of us yeah. learn. <laughs> <laughs> I think most, I think most, most pet sitters recognize. Um, yeah, you don't do certain things with the kitty that is negative because you don't 
it doesn't go well. The cat is more than likely, yeah, the cat is going to be much faster to strike back at you than I think a dog would. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think with cat training, you're really heavily focusing on positive reinforcement and giving the cat better choices to get them to the behavior you want them to perform. Um, And when you really dive into doing cat training and clicker training with your cat, you will find that the bond between you you and your cat just becomes so close Mm. that, you know, your cat starts to actually, you'll say something and instead of shaking the treat bag to get them to do something, (laughs) they'll actually turn around and look at you and be like, okay, yeah, that's what you want. And they will perform the behavior that you need. Hmm. Yeah, it's again uh, giving them agency, giving treating them as a as a fully functional being that that you can partner with, that you can build a bond with, that you might not immediately expect if you haven't had a lot of exposure to them. Correct, and even if you have a kitty that is that you have a lot of exposure to, or there's a big friendly cat then that's when you can really have a lot of fun with them and you start to teach them to do the high fives and the spins and the stand up and dances and, and climb, you know, and give them, you know, and you tar- you can teach them to target to the top of the cat tree or to the bottom of the cat tree. And, you know, maybe you'll have a Savitsky cat. <laughs> who, ju- who jumps from the highest to the pillow. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, I did want to pick your brain a little bit too. Um, cause you know, we're kind of talking about cat training and cat behavior and cat, pay, cat knowing and understanding cat behavior is so central to the kind of care that you give, but in the broader scope in the pet sitting pet care world, there aren't a whole lot of cat behavioral specialists. Why do you think that is? I think that is because it is a fairly new field. Okay. Cats haven't been domesticated as indoor cats until the early 1900s. Hmm. So before that, they lived in the barn. They lived out on the farm. Maybe they slept in the house, but they, they really weren't. They did, were not even really bred. Per se, they were still pretty much considered a a, a feral cat. Um, even if you look into the middle pictures of the Middle Ages, you'll see ladies sitting in their big fancy dresses with a cat on their lap. But if you look closely at that cat, it's actually a, a, a wild cat. It's not our domestic cat. Mm. So the actual domestication where we actually brought them into our homes as a companion animal, is still fairly new. And even when we started breeding them, we bred them for looks and for coat color and (laughs) (laughs) for all those reasons. (laughs) And that's that's true. You ask anybody from Tika or the Cat Fancy Association, they will tell you they were originally bred for looks. Yeah, accessories, right? (laughs) Accessories, yeah. These are accessory pets. Um, Unlike the dog world where we maybe bred the dogs for for a job, the Mm. cats were bred for looks. So eventually when we talked about, when you're talking about, you know, where the cat behavior specialist falls in, well, all of a sudden we took this wild cat, bred them for looks, 
put them in a house and they can't go outside anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but we never address the behaviors and we are finally to the point in civilization where we're lo- finally looking at the cat from a behavioral standpoint and how we can make their lives better within the home. The only other thing I would maybe want to toss in here is when you're looking at cat behavior specialists, if you talk to people who are professional cat sitters, I found this when I went through my mentorship program for the IAABC, a lot of, there were a lot of cat sitters in the mentorship program, which to, again, doves t- dovetails into the, the, the cat people our, us cat people are, are really still feeling left out in the pet sitting world for the training and the certifications that come from the pet sitting associations that, you know, okay, if we want to be a certified pet sitter, we have to sit through all the dog stuff. Sorry. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And it's really to, you know, as, as, and as professional cat sitters who specialize in cats, and I think even just talking with me, you're finding out there's a whole different way of doing this Yeah, that is yeah. really far better for, for everyone. And, you know, so that is where I think you're going to start to see a lot of cat sitters actually becoming certified cat behavior people. Yeah, because it is so key and so central to the care that, that they need. Because it's been overlooked for so long. There's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of preconceived notions that you've got to get out of your way and replace with this better knowledge, reading their behavior, understanding reactions and and triggers and those kind of things so that you can give them the highest level of care that you, so, you know, we, we, we want to be able to do that. And sometimes we may feel like, I don't even know where to start with this, you know, what, you know, and so, so going through these trainings can help you so, so much. It, it really, truly can. And, and I know last week, last weekend, I had a local, one of our local pet, one of my local network pet sitting colleagues, he called me on the phone and he was very distressed. He says he sent his, you know, he had sent in one of his pet sitters to do a cat sit, cats hissing, growling, <laughs> cats, the, the pet sitter turned around, made the what, lethal mistake of turning around to leave and the cat bit her on the leg mm. and and you know i i explained to him as well ultimately what that cat has we talked through you know a little bit what was going on he, the cat normally lives with a dog the dog went with the people on the trip so the cat felt abandoned separation anxiety to the max and i told and as i explained to the dog colleague i says you have dog separation anxiety where they destroy the sofa. Cat separation anxiety can turn out to be this intense aggression. Mm. And in, where they actually feel like I have to protect my entire territory from this strange person. Mm. And, you know, the cats will pay, make one of two choices. Lucky pet sitters, the cat goes and hides under the bed. This one was an unlucky one where he decided, no, you're not coming in my house. 
And anybody who's been in the business has been through that scenario. And many people have had to fend themselves off with a broom because, you know, the cat's coming after them or, you know, or things like that. And you're just like, man, this cat is a jerk. This cat is so mean. I don't like this cat. But really, the cat misses their family, right? Like, like it's, it's meaning so much more. And they're trying to communicate that. They have one of two ways, as you mentioned. I'm going to hide or... I'm, it's on, right? And you, <laughs> and if you don't, but if you don't know what they're trying to tell you, you make these judgment calls about the cat, and that can impact how you care for them from that point forward, how you communicate with them, and all those kind of things. Exactly, exactly. You touched on COVID a little bit, so I was curious how COVID has impacted your your cat sitting business. Um, COVID. Obviously, as a cat-sitting business, we are vacation travel or business travel. So for us, COVID literally means no travel, no visits, no income. Breathe. (laughs) That moment, you breathe. Breathe. And for us, it was a matter of really looking to where, what can we pivot to? It was a matter of understanding we need to slightly change our focus. This is a pandemic. We have emergency money coming from the government, but that's a loan. (laughs) We have to pay that back at some point. (laughs) And that is where we started looking at how how can we pivot? How can we, we say finicky cat sitting and behavior? So how do we make, how do we build on the behavior end of the business to help us stay afloat and really just pivoting? And we looked at diving into doing the online consulting, which if you work with any kind of a cat behavior consultant, you'll find that a lot of us will offer online consulting. And it benefits us because we can ask you to take your iPad or your iPhone or your phone, walk me around your house. Hey, there's the cat. The cat, because you know what, from a meet and greet, what most cats do at a meet and greet, they go hide. Yeah. (laughs) Doing an in-home consultation that doesn't always work. Right. But with the online consulting, we were able to just pivot that. And, and say, we're here, we're available, you're home, let's work on the cat scratching the sofa, let's work on those litter box issues. So we were, we were able to pivot that, and we had not as much money as we are cat sitting in, no way, but we were able to pivot, pivot a little bit to, to take advantage of that, uh, that opportunity that you're home as the, as the owner. And you know what? We can do these consults with, with your iPad and, and, and you'll walk around with your iPad and I'll tell you, turn, turn a little more left, turn a little more right. Show me this, show me that. Yeah. Oh, look at that litter box. It's for a kitten and you have a Maine Coon. That's probably why he's missing the litter box. <laughs> So, it, so, so for us, it was about amount. It, it really was about you know pivoting for that first little bit in March and April. For I live in Ohio, we're based out of Ohio, so Ohio started opening back up at about mid May. 
So for us, we started bouncing back for May, June, and July. So we've done pretty pretty well. It's still soft, but the business is holding. So, and the other thing I did for the COVID um, impact was in May when we start when Ohio started to open. And of course, nobody could travel anywhere outside the state of Ohio. <laughs> we actually um, once a week on Wednesdays we started posting about local areas and unique places within our own state. Just little, hey, you ready to to get out of that apartment? <laughs> <laughs> Try the inn at Cedar Woods down in down down in Hocking Hills. They have. Look at that. How cool is that? They have yurts that you can, they have luxury yurts <laughs> that you can, and, and so you maintained the social distancing, you maintained everything you were supposed to, but it also gave our clients that opportunity to, to, to think instead of, okay, I can't go to Florida this year or Cancun. Oh, look at that. How unique is that? We can, we can, you know, so we used to, you know, we tapped our travel industry within the state to maybe plant a few seeds of travel. So, No, it's really cool to hear because you were able to take advantage of that situation of when people were home, you were able to see the cat in its true natural environment to where normally if you're coming in, there's that initial disturbance and you're trying to assess them because they're trying to assess you and there's this back and forth. And now all of a sudden you're just a fly on the wall, able to observe them in their home and go, aha, I'm actually able to see these behaviors un, you know, unaltered or, or un, um, unfiltered through their fear or concern for you, you being there. And then taking that other step and going, I know you can't travel out of state, but look at all these wonderful opportunities for you to travel in state. And you know, I, I, that's really cool because you were still able to kind of center yourself as, around a, a resource for them and give them advice and give them um, you know, th- things to work with. And on and on that, um, I know initially some of the early days. It seems like years ago at this point, but it was <laughs> just uh, <laughs> um, there was a lot of speculation about spread of the disease through cats, actually. And so I wanted to pick your brain and see: was, did you have any clients that were concerned about that, or did you get questions about that as news and media re- were releasing reports and those kinds? Of- yeah, we, we we certainly did get we, we did get. Um, Clients contacting us, they didn't call their vet. Who did they call? They called us <laughs> um, about catching it from the cats. And we actually had to, you know, we, we took some time, you know, to personally address their issues, um, especially with our elderly clients, that they cannot catch it from their cat. And if they're the, if the humans are the ones that are going out and the cat is getting sick, then you probably already have the virus. So you, because you're bringing it into your home and giving it to your kitty. And that was something that, that came out a little bit later um, that we are able to transfer that if we have COVID, that cats are, are particularly susceptible to it. Now with cats, they're still, the research is still out. But they think with the cats, because cats are prone to coronaviruses anyway, so they have some natural defense mechanisms to it. It's not an immunity. They will still get sick. But from the kitties that have gotten sick, 
they've not been as severe as the human version. And if they, they're taken to the vet, then that can, they, they usually recover fairly well. So I'm sure that was a little difficult in those early days, trying to communicate that and trying to parse through all that information that was coming out and the, is it, isn't it, and, you know, we were, we were all there, but to be at such a very focused concern of clients of, can I get this from my cat? Can my cat get it from me? Like that's that that how scary that would be, and to be there with your clients as they're as they're going through that. Well, as a, for a few of my clients, as you know, as I reminded them, I live with four cats. <laughs> yeah. I don't want any of my cats to get it from me as a cat sitter. Sure, I don't want to bring it home to my own clouder of kitties. You know, and yeah. and, and and that's where you know you get into how we decided to approach the the cat care for the visits going forward from yeah. our from our standpoint and you know okay when we go in to see the cats we need to mask up because if we're carrying it and we're doing these extended long visits with the cats and they're wanting to snuggle and they're wanting this attention we have to be careful that we're not going to pass it on to a client's cat. Okay. Um, The other thing we did is we looked at all of the cleaning products that are out there and we settled on a product product called rescue, which is used a lot in the fear-free certified vet clinics and it's pet friendly and it's good and it's okay with the EPA for Corona for COVID. And it's all it is. It's an accelerated hydrogen peroxide. And we have a big container of wipes that we walk in with. <laughs> <laughs> and we went with that, though, that can, we went with rescue because the, the, it's able to kill the coronavirus in, in a minute, within a minute's time frame, as opposed to the bleach wipes, you know, and leaving a surface with a cat, you know, oh, bleach wipe, it's got to stay wet for four minutes. Well, no, that's not going to work because I'm wiping everything down, walking out the door. <laughs> I don't need the cat walking through the bleach. And yeah. so then, we, you know, that's where, you know, we, we did a little research and we found a pro- this product called Rescue. And like I said, it comes through a recommendation from the Fear Free folks. Really cool that you were able to find a product that's still aligned with your beliefs on how to handle a cat and, and to not stress them out anymore and to still make everybody happy <laughs> and healthy and stay healthy <laughs> and healthy and, and stay, stay healthy. healthy. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the dog world, many of us are, are discussing about, you know, care for the dog after COVID their clients getting back to work. And you've already mentioned a little bit about cat separation anxiety. So how are you helping your clients prepare for when they do start going and leaving the home? Um, well, I actually think you have my blog posted on Petsitter Confessional about, right. <laughs> about this very subject. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but really, it, we put together the blog that went out in our newsletter it really, it truly is a lot of the same things you've, I've already said that we do for when our clients go on vacation and it is setting up, you've been home all this time. The house has been full of people. It's been full of noise. Let's make sure that we go ahead and ask Alexa to play music. 
let's go ahead and okay, we're, we're going to have a sacrificial sweatshirt with your scent on it. That's good. You're going to put on the sofa that the cat's going <laughs> to, yeah. So it really is just telling our clients to do exactly the same thing that we do when they go on vacation and do it for the first week or so after that, they should be fine. Again, it's, it's this, the, the solution here is listening, watching, observing the cat and, and really, really genuinely meeting their needs and, and, and making sure that you aren't, you know, when, when you are going to be stressing them out, you, you have these things that you can do. And, and it sounds kind of silly. Are you going to put on a sweatshirt? Like what? Like that doesn't, what is that going to do? But it's these little things that you can do in your home, but it helps a lot, right? It helps so much. And there's just these little things uh, that to, to do to that go along. And, and, and again, that is the different, it's a difference in how to think about dogs versus cats. But I mean, even if you have a dog with separation anxiety, you will often find them, they will go into the dirty laundry and they will pull out the owner's underwear. And take, they don't shred it. They just take it back to their doggy bed. Right. And well, it's, it really is very similar with the cats, except the cats can't pull it out of the dirty laundry. <laughs> but it, it's true. It's, it's, rec- it's, it's this mind shift of, of going, viewing the behavior, not as them being mean or, or um, angry at you. And instead, a call for help. Like they're trying to tell you something. They're trying to tell you that they need something. Not that they're angry or hateful or spiteful because that you left. It's they miss you. And that that just changes the entire conversation and changes the entire level of care that you give when you start viewing it from that angle. It, it really does. It really, truly does change. It, it, when you view it from that angle, you, you start thinking about how you, you stop being afraid of the cat or you stop being angry with the cat. And you start to decide, how do I fix this? You go to that point of being able to fix it. Now, you have, as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, recently written a book. Why did you decide it was time to write that? It was an opportunity that sort of fell into my lap at the beginning of January. Out of the blue, Callisto Media contacted me via email and it was their author recruiter and I left that email sit in my box for a long time (laughs) (laughs) I I read it I thought scam scam email and but there was just something inside of me and I thought, you know, you started a book last June. You haven't done anything with it. Let's give, the, what's, what's the worst that can happen? Let me give this gal a call and see what this is about. So I got, gave the recruiter a call. She asked me for a 500-word essay on a chapter from the book, which I did. Two days later, the editor called. And said, you know, we're sending over the contract. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're sending you the outline. We're sending you the information. If you decide you're not going to do anything with it, let us know. And they'll move on to somebody else. But, you know, it's basically a non-disclosure. And, you know, they sent me over the entire outline for the book. I didn't even have to do the outline. They sent me the outline. 
It was basically, we're going to pick your brain and, and, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah. And it was a work for hire. So it was write the book and we're done. It was, I, you know, I checked them out up, down, backwards and forwards. I'm like, you're not a vanity press. I don't have to pay for it. I don't because of, you know, and that they're still out there. Vanity presses are still out there yeah. where, you know, you have to pay them to do the work. Right. And in this case, they was, they, they are, they're a hybrid publisher and their work really reaches out to undiscovered authors. Hmm. And when I asked the recruiter and the editor, how did you find me? Cause I wasn't looking necessarily <laughs> to write a book. Um, they, they, and this is where, you know, Amy Toman um, from Pet Sitter SEO, wh- who helped me SEO my Google and my website um, with Callisto, they said, we found you through your SEO and your online presence. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And so they sent me the, they sent me the outline. They told me, okay, it's got to be 30,000 to 40,000 words and you have six weeks to write it. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, right about then that was when COVID hit. Mm. And what happened, you know, like I said, my business went to zero and I just was like, okay, this is a pivot point. (laughs) We're writing the book and, you know, long-term taking the opportunity to respond to my clients who write all the reviews that say we are, you know, if you read our reviews, a lot of times when we did the, we boiled down those reviews, it came down to knowledge. Our knowledge of cats was what really our clients appreciate about us. And this book gave me the opportunity to really put all that knowledge in one place. Yeah. Yeah, help and, others speak meow as, as you talk about. Yeah, it, yeah, it literally help. This is how we speak meow in my world. And this, it was that opportunity. And I looked at it, I says, I can use it for helping my clients. I can use it for my own marketing purposes. I can, I now have a really sophisticated training manual for my own employees. There you go. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about it from that perspective of here, read my book. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Here. And yeah, you're coming to work for us. Okay. You're on a, you're on a one month probation. Um, you got 10 chapters (laughs) (laughs) and in those 10 chapters, when you get to chapter 10, we're, uh, we're doing clicker training for, with cats, you know, so it's a real opportunity, you know, from my own inside business and for outside the business and for my clients. Yeah. And it, for, for anybody else who wants to read it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is, so the, it's called, um, it's called Understanding Cat Behavior, A Compassionate Guide to Training and Communication. And it, it really is distilling down these, your years of research, your years, years of experience and understanding into this 10 chapter guide almost into into and learn to speak meow i know we, we joke about that but it really does you know really kind of the end goal of it <laughs> that, that, that really is the end goal of it is is to learn to speak meow and for pet owners to to understand the difference between like, this is a cat behavior that needs a medical issue 
And this is a cat behavior that, that is just a cat behavior and we can fix. Mm. And there is a big difference there. Yeah. And, and then, you know, and there's, you know, cats have a real good way of hiding their illnesses and being able to decide, you know, decipher is the cat in pain and being cranky and hissing and growling at me? Or is the cat just, you know, is the cat showing me some sort of redirected aggression? Right. And, you know, that there are illnesses. Oh, my cat's peeing outside the litter box because he hates me. Well, no, Fluffy maybe has a urinary infection. Maybe he has stones. Maybe he's hyperthyroid. Mm. So, you know, we go through some of those scenarios inside, inside the book to help, hopefully, help pet owners and cat owners be better cat guardians. <laughs> Right, and and for um, for pet sitters too, just a little bit of insight into this world, and and on that, I was I was wondering, maybe what's one of the biggest misconceptions about cat behavior that that you deal with or that you've had to to, to respond to? Um, one of the, the the biggest things is surprisingly when we tell an owner your cat is actually ill. You know, mm. that when we're we, when we're sitting with their cat and and from a cat behavior standpoint, the cat has a, a nasty, greasy coat, maybe is a little cranky and explaining to the pet owner, that's not just normal aging. Your cat actually has some medical issues going on, um, you know, being able to look at the cat and and tell from their the grimace scale that okay the whiskers are a little down and the ears are not up but they're kind of cocked back half cocked back sideways they're in that meatloaf position they don't want to be bothered um no your kitty isn't is not feeling well yeah this is not a behavior issue this is a kitty not feeling well that's usually one of the biggest mysteries that happens it's one of the biggest things in even in the veterinary field that you know they see owners time and again um bring a cat in and they have the, the cat has been losing weight over week, you know several weeks and they don't bring the cat in right away and and they they don't recognize that there's a medical reason behind it. And in my book, I often refer to I can't fix a behavior issue if there's a medical cause. We have to deal with the medical issue first, mm-hmm. and then we can fix the behavior. So that is, I think, is one of the biggest things between pet owners, um, pet sitters. And it, it, it and you know one of the, you know some of the biggest reasons pets get turned into shelters is pet owners not recognizing that behavior is a medical condition. How mm-hmm. many how many cats go into a shelter because the owner says he's peeing all over the house? I can't deal with it, and it's actually something that can very easily be dealt with if you went to see the vet. Sure. Yeah, and how heartbreaking to think uh, that there are people who believe that it's strictly behavioral, but it, all it is is that's the that's what you see. That's the that's the manifestation of this medical problem, and to have to come alongside them and go, actually, no, like there's more to this. Like I, I can't imagine having that kind of hard conversation with somebody. And it, it can be a real difficult situation. Um, it's it's it, it's not all that unusual. 
And honestly, there are times when I really, you know, it really is a push. It's like that pet owner knows going to the vet is going to cost them three, four hundred dollars. You know, it is a financial constraint for some people. But, you know, at that point, it's like, but if you take, you know, if we address it now, it won't cost you as much. Sure. Yeah. You know, and it is, you know, we can observe the, the illness behaviors and let's help the vet make the right decision on what tests need to be done. Okay. The kitty's pee- peeing outside the, bl- the box and there's blood in the urine. Okay. That's going to be stones. Yeah. So we're going to, you know, so we, 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 you know, we can help sort of mitigate some of that by understanding the behaviors that we're seeing. Right. Right. Again, this, this outward expression of this internal problem that they're having and, right. and trying to find a, a link between those two. Yep. Now a word from our new sponsor. Are you a member of Pet Sitters International? PSI is the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education. PSI is offering a free five-day New Year challenge for pet sitters and dog walkers, January 4th through 8th, 2021. This free challenge is open to both members and non-members. Visit PetSit.com challenge to sign up and access the private challenge Facebook group. This free challenge will offer daily videos, action items, and resources to help new and veteran pet care professionals alike refocus and set their business up for success in 2021. Visit PetSit.com slash challenge before December 31st to register for the free challenge. And so kind of going hand in hand with this, because the, the book is, is training and communications. Why do you think people have a hard time communicating with their cat? They don't understand cat body language. <laughs> there is um you know in the dog world we talk about dog doggy body language yeah and and we talk about it a lot because nobody wants a stranger to be bitten by a dog yeah you know we talk about reactive dogs we talk about the fearful dogs we talk about all of those things about dogs Again, you know, cat behavior being a fairly new field, you know, we're still trying to figure out, okay, what, what is the grimace scale for cats? <laughs> you know, how do we tell a cat is in pain? How do we, you know, so there, you know, we, we know some basics. Um, good example that I can think of is I met a new cat this past week. Owner went into the closet to show me the kitty who's hiding in the closet at a meet and greet. Um, cat, big main Big Maine Coon came down, greeted her, tail up, came over to me. His tail was up, but as he was walking towards me, I could see his eyes totally dilated, his ears airplaned out, and I just held my breath. I'm like, okay, we're not petting this cat right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, but the owner was clueless hmm. and did not recognize that her cat had gone from greeting her to a cat who was aroused. Yeah, on edge. Trying to on out. edge. Yeah. Um, by the end of the meet and greet where we were playing with him, he had decided we were fine. <laughs> but I think uh, you know, that's when I, you know, that's where I think 
you know, really taking the time that we did in the book to delve into the different ear positions, the different eye look, the different whisker positions, <laughs> because we got into the whiskers. Yeah. Uh, we got into the tail that, you know, what does the tail mean? And, and, you know, what is a bottle brush tail? What is the happy tail? What is the question mark? What is the, okay, um, I'm checking you out. You're all right, but don't touch me yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't touch me. Um, but so I, when we talk about it, it, it really, for me, it is the heart. The hardest thing is getting people to understand you've got to take the time to learn the body language. And once you get the body language down, learning to speak meow comes a lot easier. I asked you a question very early on about where your passion comes from. And this book is dedicated to a very special cat in your life. Uh, I'd, I'd love for you to tell us about your, your, your flying cat nipper. Uh, and, and, and how, <laughs> and how she, uh, uh, they, you know, how your cat, how she set you down this path. Well, my flying cat nipper, her name is Ty Lee. She was named after an Oriental tea bag. Do hmm. <laughs> <laughs> things with her. I probably wouldn't, I definitely would never do again, but things being what they were, it was 1996. I got her as an eight week old kitten, brought her home. On Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that set the whole thing in motion. Um, Actually, um, the first few months, she was fine. And I ended up having to move. And when we moved, she became this tiny tiger cat from hell. Sorry, Jackson Galaxy, but she really was <laughs> a cat from hell. Um, and I spent time talking to the vet who gave me bad advice, which at the time was the norm, really was. Um, I spent six years walking around with a spray bottle trying to keep her from attacking me. A dog owner would probably have gotten rid of the dog <laughs> by then. Well. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I had her. Um, we had gotten finally to a point where she understood that. You know, I knew when her eyes dilated and her ears went in a certain position, I was in trouble. Mm. And she knew if I picked up the spray bottle when she was in that spell, that kitty spell, that, okay, um, she's got the spray bottle and I'm going to go take my aggression out on something else. Mm. And Tylee actually had what was known as redirected aggression. So if she was sitting at the window and she saw a dog outside, her, nor- her tendency would be to turn around and attack me. If she saw another cat outside, she'd turn around and attack me. If she saw a deer outside, she'd turn around and attack me. So, it, and like I said, it, it, was, it was obviously fairly intense with her. Yeah. Um, she eventually um, came down with diabetes. And at the vet office, she was better known as Mrs. T. After the A-team, Mr. T. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. So when, uh, and we'd, you know, go in the carrier and, you know, that tech would walk up. Oh, what a pretty kitty. And go to put their fingers in, in her carrier. And Tylee would respond with the scariest cat. I'm, I'm going to kill you, cat. She could muster. Wow. 
Well, she ended up with ketoacidosis and had to stay at the vet clinic for three days. I can only imagine these poor vets trying to treat her. Mm. When I went to go pick her up, the vet brought her out with the paperwork, said she's diabetic. She gets two units of insulin twice a day. Here's the insulin. Here's 10 syringes. Good luck. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So I brought her home, put a can of food in front of her face, which who knew at the time this was very Mm -hmm. (laughs) fear-free, but actually put a can of food in front of her face, took a deep breath, gave her her first insulin shot, not not a hiss, not a growl. I don't even think she knew she got the shot. Spent about a week or so on um, felinediabetes.com, figured out how to home test her with a human blood glucose meter, which was an ear prick on the side of the ear. And I was able to do blood glucose curves for her at home. And when I told my vet, when we went back for our two-week checkup, how well she was doing. Here's the chart. Take a look. And he was, he was amazed. He was like, how in the world did you do this? Mm. And I said, food, treats, positive reinforcement, and she's going to be just fine. Yeah. And she is the kitty that put me through. Can I, I don't know if I can say it on a podcast, but she put me through hell. And she put me on this path of there's a better way that I can, I can help her. And in going through that whole process of being, you know, on felinediabetes.com, I eventually did volunteer work with diabetes, diabetic cats in need. I wrote their um, foster manual and their adoption manual of how, when they rehomed cats or the new adopting folks so they would know how to do all of the stuff that we do with diabetic cats, which is the ear pricks and the insulin shots and convince, you know, training them to, to be accepting of that. Um, and she was the one who started me down that path. I love that because, you know, it was a, it was behavior that was tolerable. Well, well, I'll be, I'll be at somewhat scary right until she put me in the hospital once right oh my gosh so the, there you go right and but but it took the real need for some serious level of care for her to to trigger this i need to do something different there needs to there's got to be a better way and it took that and then you know when i see that and and you took that and went okay well if it was a better way for her it must be the better way for everybody right this is this needs to be the norm so that you don't have to get to that point of desperation and frustration with the cat or wait until the, something's really serious to try and make that change. Well, and that's, that is something to really, you know, there's that. And, you know, at the time with her, there were no cat behaviorists. Yeah. It didn't exist. So 25 years ago, that didn't exist. <laughs> so it really was a matter of, you know, reaching out to a different community and and learning from them how to do you know albeit it's just what was one specific situation with you know diabetic cats sure. but out of that grew 
a desire to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. And be able to apply that across a board of cats. And and actually on that, um, if listeners are, are are hearing what you're saying and they they want to learn more, what are some of your favorite resources to get plugged into and learn more about cat training, communication, all of the things that 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 you do? My resources are of course Fear Free Happy Home and the, the and any of any of the Fear Free um reg, the regular Fear Free courses if you can afford them. Pam Johnson, Benet, starting from scratch. That particular book, starting from scratch, one of my favorite books that is that helped me with Ty Lee um, was Dr. Bruce Fogel's *The Cat's Mind*. One of the first early, one of the first and one of the earliest on cat behavior. There's things in that book that these days we don't do, but in general, that book was the one that helped me learn. Oh, she has redirected aggression. Now I know how to fix it. Yeah. So it was Dr. Bruce Fogel's book, *The Cat's Mind* that really um, helped me. For someone who wants to really get into this, um, I would suggest them to go out and check out um, the International Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Um, and they have both, they have a dog division, a cat division, a horse division, a parrot division. <laughs> but they, they, they would, I would definitely, you know, check them out. And I've got to, I'll plug your book for you. Uh, and oh, your book you. as well, right? <laughs> <laughs> see, I, see, that's 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 the introvert in me. I won't even plug my own book. <laughs> oh, well, well, I'll do it for you because that's a great resource, um, Beth. This has been a truly, truly a wonderful pleasure, and have enjoyed our conversation here, talking about the importance of taking time with the the cats and t- taking the time to understand who they are and the, develop some specialized care for what they actually need. If people want to find out more, follow along with all of your work, how can they do that? They, they can find me on the web at um, https backslash backslash finicky.us, not .com, finicky.us. Um, they can find me on Facebook at Finicky Cat Sitting and Behavior. They can find me on Instagram at Finicky Cat Sitting. In the next month or so, we are opening our group up behavior meowification, which will be a, a private group um, that people can can pop in and ask their cat behavior questions. If they're a pet sitter um, who just wants some advice or whatever, they can certainly email me at beth at finicky.us. Wonderful. And I'll make sure and include those links on our website and in the show notes for this episode so people can click right on that and get in contact. Again, thank you so much. This has been a real joy and a real pleasure. Colin, thank you so much. I'm I'm so honored and excited to have, have been part of this tonight. The one thing that kept coming up through that entire conversation was the extreme importance to learn cat behavior and body language so that you'll be better able to communicate and care for them so that you can be the translator between the owner and the vet if those situations do come up. We want to thank Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for sponsoring this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back again soon.